the hallmark of Aseret, he made tshuva, the ten days of repentance, is the recitation of the Srichot. There's a service we call Srichot, it starts on a Saturday night, it's the custom of the Ashkenazim that I'm familiar with, and it proceeds all the way up to and including Yom HaKippurim, we are reciting Srichot. And the recitation of the Srichot during these days, the structure and the placement of the Srichot is very interesting. Srichot normally, on the minor fast days, are recited right after the Amida, after the Shemona Esrei. The place that we recite Tachanun. The Tachanun, the petitions we make after the Amida, are actually part of the Amida. They are complementary to the Amida. The Amida means standing up. The Shemona Esrei is called standing. Reflection of human potential and majesty, ability. And the Tachanun, it's called Nefilat Apayim, the falling down, falling on one's face. And that reflects the limited understanding that humans have, limited opportunity, the finiteness of the human experience. But it's connected. Those two things are connected. What's striking about the ten days of repentance, and the Srichot that's recited even before the ten days of repentance, is that they are recited as a separate service. In fact, when one looks at the structure of the Srichot service, one is struck by the fact, it begins with a set of verses, and the verses contain key words. For example, it begins with the words, in various forms, to bow down. Because we know that in the Amida, we are directed to bow down in the beginning and to bow down at the end. Two other key words that appear, the word Gibar and the word Gadol. We start the Amidah, the Shemona Esri, with Ha'el HaGadol HaGibar Vahanora. Gadol is essentially the first blessing, which relates to Abraham. The second Gibar, Gvura, is a term that we think of in that tradition in conjunction with Isaac. And those are two terms that appear prominently in the verses that we read before we get to the heart and soul of the Srichot to the attributes of God's mercies, preceded by various compositions. The expression, Mocha, who was like you, which appears at the end of the central of the three, first three blessings, Mocha Baal Gvorot Midomalach, is found several times in the verses we recite in Srichot. And finally, at the end of these uh, verses that are recited as introduction to Srichot, we have the mention over and over again of God's name. The heart, the soul is yours, the body is yours. God, for your own name. We've come, we've come to approach you in your name. Do for the sake of your name. Over and over again, which of course, that's the third blessing of the first three. Atokadosh v'shimcha kadosh. You are holy and your name is holy. Name means the way you manifest. Often connected to a temple, to a sacred space. Atok- so the Suichot service actually begins with verses that parallel the first three blessings of the Shemona Esrei. And the Suichot service ends, after we make our petitions to God, it ends with the words, Shema Koleinu. Typically open up the ark, Shema Koleinu, Hashem Elokeinu, Chus Aleinu. Shema Koleinu 
hear our cries, hear our voice. That's the way we end the petitions in the Amidah. The daily petitions are specific. We ask for wisdom, we ask for health, we ask for forgiveness, a just society. We ask for to be able to make a living. Parnasa. And at the end of it, we have a catch-all. Shmakaleinu. All the things we didn't ask, didn't ask for, didn't think of, didn't realize are important. Hear our voice. Have mercy on us. And that's how Shmakaleinu appears at the end of the Slichot service. So the Slichot service actually are an additional service. And what's striking about this additional service, the heart and soul of which, of course, is the statement, Hashem Hashem Kerachum V'chanun, the Slichot service, a separate service. But when is it recited? It's not recited in conjunction with the other service. It's recited typically before the other service. So it's a service, one might say, has its own time. Has its own time. It's interesting that the Talmud has a famous statement that when Moshe is appealing to God to forgive the people after the sin of the golden calf, Hashem Hashem Kerachum V'chanun, so it says that God called out, Vayikra B'Shem Hashem, Vayavar Hashem Apanav, God passed by, Vayikra, and called out. So the Vayikra is not clear who's doing the calling out. Is Moshe calling to God when Moshe sees God present? Or is God calling out? So one view in the Talmud is God is calling out. And as a very striking expression, Mulamed, Shenitz Atef HaKadosh Baruch Hu Kushriach Tzibor. Vayavar Hashem Apanav, that God covered Panav, taking to mean God's face, midrashically. God covered, God covered God with a talus. The Shriach Sibur is wrapping, is wrapping himself with a talit. So God is wrapping God with a talit. And God instructs Moshe, whenever you're in trouble, say this formula. Because we find a similar, not identical, but similar formula after the episode of the spies in chapter 13 and 14 of the book of Bamidbar, there Moshe actually reminds God of these attributes of mercy. Now Moshe doesn't simply state the same attributes. Moshe reinterprets the attributes of mercy. That itself is very interesting. That we have there in the Torah, Moshe's reinterpretation of Yud Gimel Midot. But in any event, it's parallel to the Yud Gimel Midot that we find in the book of Exodus. So the Talmud has God instructing Moshe referring to God, that God is, one might say, the chazan. God is teaching Moses how to pray. It's an extra prayer that God is teaching us how to pray. And what's interesting is actually, in thinking about this extra prayer, a prayer that steps outside the normal bounds of prayer, it reminds me very much of the last prayer in which we recite Srichot over and over again. In fact, there is a tradition that in that service, Recite Hashem Hashem Kerachum V'chanun 13 times. 13 attributes of mercy, and it's recited 13 times. And of course, I refer to the last prayer of Aserati Mechuva, which is Ne'ilah. The Ne'ilah service at the end of Yom Kippur is totally related to Slichot. There's virtually nothing else but the Slichot. When I say Slichot, of course, at the end of the Slichot, we are saying the confessions. The confessions come at the end of the Slichot, which is very striking. It's not where you expect to find them. I'll come back to that another time. But that's the Slichot service. What is the time of Ne'ilah? The extra prayer. Extra prayer that's recited on fast days. But in our calendar, 
We only say Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur. We don't say Ne'ilah on Tisha B'av, which is very striking. And we don't say Ne'ilah on, on the minor fast either, because they're not full fast days. So we have one day in the year where we're saying Ne'ilah. When is Ne'ilah recited? In the Talmud, there's a dispute about that. Whether it's recited towards the end of Yom Kippur, or whether it might even be recited after Yom Kippur is over. That's a dispute in the Talmud. Our practice is to recite Ne'ilah before Yom Kippur is over. Our practice is also to, the practice certainly of the Ashkenazic practice, the authentic Ashkenazic practice, was to start Ne'ilah during the day. But even if Ne'ilah goes on past sunset, almost to the end of the day, stars are out, that prayer that's recited, that Ne'ilah service, contains the priestly blessing. Now, nowadays, there are different practices. What happens if you, Ne'il goes past sunset? Do you recite the priestly blessing in your service? The priestly b- blessing was recited in the daytime. It's not recited at night. I actually checked with the German-Jewish traditions, and they keep the traditions very well, and they have priestly blessings no matter what time they finish, even after the sunset. Because the point of Ne'il is that Ne'il is a prayer of the day. Even if you say it at night, it's part of the day service. One might say, Ne'il is a prayer that's above time. It's an extra prayer. It's a tefillah yatera. It goes beyond the normal bounds of time, day, night. It is a very special prayer. And the slichot, the idea of slichot as a, trend, a prayer that transcends time. It's even interesting to note that the practice is that the one who leads the slichot service always wears a, 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 a talit. Now, the slichot service is typically recited at night, before the morning, before the sunset. It's recited the first night of slichot at midnight. So, in many communities, when you have an evening prayer, even the chazan does not wear a talit. But for slichot, everybody, every chazan wears a talit, no matter when you say the slichot. Because the slichot are operating in a different way. They're not trying to fit into the normal routine of morning, afternoon, and evening. The slichot are transcending time. And it's interesting to note that it's true of slichot, it's true of ne'ilah. It's a period in which we think of prayer as transcendent. We're trying to transcend our own experiences. We're trying to put ourselves in a different place. And the slichot are a means to that end. Later on, we'll discuss another way in which we transcend our own experience, and that is in terms of the service of the high priest on Yom Kippur. The service of the high priest on Yom Kippur is not just a service, we say words. The service of the high priest on Yom Kippur is one of the few examples we have in that tradition where we actually reenact an experience. We put ourselves there. We may be where we are now, but actually when we're praying... On Yom Kippur, in the Musaf service, we actually are transported to the temple. So it's the idea of entering into a different world. Prayer is entering into the world of prayer. Prayer transports you to a different place. The Slichot, among other things, are intended to transport us to a different place, to a different time.